lodging place causes the change that truly exalts him and brings him great honor. Can I ask you a question this morning? As one of you, I said, can I ask you a question this morning? Amen. What is your destiny in life? I mean, when you graduated high school or when you graduated elementary school, did you know what your destiny was? Did you know what you were destined to become? Did you know what you were destined to do as a career? Did you know that you were destined to be here, right here, right now, for such a time as this? For those who responded last week, did you know that you, it was your destiny to sponsor a compassion child? Did you have a clue that you'd be living the life of faith that you're now living so many years ago? Professional wrestler. Anybody else like professional wrestling? Well, Miss Joan does. I don't think I'd want to tangle with Miss Joan. Amen. A professional wrestler named Jesse the Body Ventura. You like that body, didn't you, sister? I hear you. You go, Joan. Whew. Joan remembers that body. Praise the Lord. Come on. Jesse the Body Ventura was not only a professional wrestler in his day, but many of you might not know that he became the governor of Minnesota. Now, granted, he had a screw loose from his wrestling days, but I want you to listen to something Jesse said. Jesse the Body Ventura, the governor of Minnesota, said, God has a plan and a destiny for each one of us. He said, I wasn't always a believer, but through my wife and a couple of friends, in the last couple of years, I have come to believe in God and that he, through Jesus Christ, has a plan and a destiny for me. This morning I want to challenge you again. <laughs> I want to challenge you again this morning to identify your destiny. Say, okay, Bill. I'll accept that challenge. What's destiny? <laughs> destiny, simply put, is the purpose for which you were created. Do you know why you're here? Do you know why you exist? Do you know why you're at this church? Do you know why you're in this community? Do you know why you were born in this country? Do you know why the grace of God has shined upon you and done great things in your life? 
I believe that today's Bible verses truly show us our destiny. I believe these verses truly show us the purpose for every single born-again child of God. You see, God's basic will for every child of God is revealed in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. It's on page 1049 in the Bibles in front of you. So on page 1049 in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, I want you to follow along with me and see if you can discover and identify your destiny. Verse 1 of chapter 3, the Bible says, Paul writing to this, let me just pause for a second. Paul is writing to this small church. I really identify this church of Thessalonica a lot like Bethel Baptist Church. We're not some mega church. We're a small church being obedient and doing the work of God. So was the church at Thessalonica. But something else about this church at Thessalonica is, is this church was being persecuted incredibly for their faith. So as we share this, I want you to remember that this is not only a small church, but this is a very persecuted church. Verse 1. Therefore, Paul says, when we could no longer endure it, the persecution... We thought it good to be left in Athens alone and to send Timothy, our brother and minister of God, and our fellow laborer, get this, in the gospel of Jesus Christ to establish you and encourage you concerning your faith. That no one should be shaken by these afflictions. For you yourselves know, listen to this, that we were appointed for this. We were appointed for those afflictions. For in fact, we told you before when we were with you that we would suffer tribulation. Just as it happened. And you know, for this reason when I could no longer endure it. I sent to know your faith, lest by some means the tempter had tempted you and our labor might be in vain. In identifying our destiny, the first thing as Christians we need to understand is, is that we are destined to share the good news of Jesus Christ. Look again there in verse 1. Therefore, when we could no longer endure it, we thought it good to be leaving in Athens alone and sent Timothy, our brother and minister of God, our fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ. Now, when you read some of the commentaries and some of the evidence of the original manuscripts of this early, early book in the New Testament, we discover that a more accurate translation of verse 2 kind of goes like this. We sent Timothy, our brother, and God's fellow laborer in spreading the gospel of Christ. Can I tell you this morning that we at Bethel Baptist Church are fellow workers 
in the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are fellow workers in the Lord's work on this planet. Now, we may not all be called to preach. We may not all be called to teach. But we all still labor toward a common goal, and that is to see people saved, lost sinners come to Jesus, and lost sinners to come and give their lives to Christ. In this, we all work together. What glorious good news. I read about one preacher who was requested by the family to visit a man in a mental institution who absolutely insisted that he was Jesus. And so the preacher went to the mental institution and introduced himself, and the man in the mental institution said, Bless you, my son. And the preacher asked him, he said, Are you Jesus? And he said, Why, yes, I am. And so the preacher excused himself, and he said, I'll be back in a few minutes. And he came back with a measuring tape, some lumber, some nails, and he took the tape and he measured the man's arms and he measured the man's height and he started nailing the boards together to build a cross. And that man in the institution asked the preacher, what are you doing? To which the preacher says, you know what I'm doing. I am helping you to fulfill your destiny. To which the man said, I ain't Jesus. I ain't Jesus. <laughs> Amen. Guess what? We ain't Jesus either. We are not Jesus, but we are called to be the body of Christ. So I wondered, what would Jesus be doing if he were here today in body? What Jesus be up to? I think it's pretty easy to know. He'd be sharing the good news. That even though we all have broken God's law, that he sacrificed his life to pay the price for our lawlessness. And if we would simply trust in God's way of doing things and believe that he loved us enough to do that, then eternal life with the Father in heaven would be ours. Listen. That's what Jesus would be doing in body if he was here on earth. And so because we're the body of Christ, that is our purpose. That is part of our destiny. That is our calling as the body of Christ. That is our destiny as servants of the Most High God. I mean, think about it. If Tom Cruise and John Travolta can share their trash about Scientology, if Madonna can share her, excuse me, crap about Kabbalah, if Muhammad Ali and one of our newest representatives in the House of Representatives, Representative Omar, can spread this junk about Islam, if Richard Gere can tell everybody he knows about Buddhism, then why can't we, who are born-again Christians, fulfill our destiny? Why can't we, as born-again children of God, fulfill our God-given purpose in sharing the good news about the only Savior that ever lived? Amen. We know what the Word of God says. We know where Jesus instructs us to go. 
and to make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that he's taught us. We know that he tells us, you ain't got to do this by yourself, that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses to the very ends of the earth, both in America and Bolivia. Brothers and sisters, listen to me. We are destined to share the good news of our beloved Savior. And as important as that is, you've got to remember this. It's only good news if the lost hear it in time. If the lost don't hear it in time, they have no hope. We are destined to share the good news now. But I believe this passage also shows us that we're destined to live a life, live a life of faith. Notice there at the end of verse 2, where they had sent Timothy, their beloved brother and minister of God and fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ, listen to this, to establish you and to encourage you concerning your faith. So how is your faith? Is your faith strong as a rock? Or if you're honest, is it just lacking a little something? Did you know that the African impala, kind of a deer-like critter, can jump to heights over 10 feet tall? That's from the ground to my hand. And they can jump that high from me to Brenda, 30 feet. But what's crazy is when you go to the zoo, the African impala is kept in its pen by a three-foot concrete wall. What's the scoop? Why don't they jump out? Impalas will not jump where they cannot see where they're going to land. They can't see through the concrete barrier. And so they ain't jumping. Faith is the ability to trust even when you don't see where you're going to land. Living a life of faith is taking that plunge when you don't know what's going to happen. Faith makes us free from those little flimsy barriers that try to entrap us in fear. But at times, if we're honest with ourselves, we all tend to lack faith from time to time. Can I be honest with you this morning? More honest than normal, should I say? <laughs> Can I be a little bit transparent? Might be a better word. Can I be a little bit transparent with you this morning? In the past few months, the enemy has tried to shake my faith. He 
This thing called spiritual warfare is real. But do you know what has kept me going? Do you know what has helped me to overcome discouragement? Do you know what has kept me from tipping over in frustration? Here it comes. Your faith. Your faith. You see, every Sunday, long about 1030, I know where you're going to be. You're going to be here to hear the word of God preached. I recognize that you have this incredible desire to learn from the Word of God. I realize that you have this incredible desire to increase your faith. I realize that you have this incredible desire to serve the Lord, to fulfill your destiny. And in so doing... Your faith has kept me from being over-discouraged and over-frustrated. I mean, what do people do without a loving, caring church family, y'all? I'll tell you what they do. Their faith gets weak. They get really, really discouraged from time to time. They get frustrated. And I believe that that is one of the greatest reasons why the Bible encourages us to meet together as often as we do in the name of Jesus. Why? Because your faith needs to be strengthened. Your faith needs to be encouraged. We need to be lifted up. We need that shot in the arm. after being beat up all week. We just need our faith to be strengthened. How many of you remember old Doubting Thomas? You shake your head, yeah, if you remember Doubting Thomas. See, after the Lord's resurrection, Jesus went to the upper room for one purpose, and that was to encourage those disciples and to strengthen their faith. They were having church. And everybody was there except for Thomas. And when the other disciples told Thomas about Jesus' visit, do you remember what he said? He said, unless I see in his hands the print of the nails... Unless I put my finger into the print of those nails and reach my hand into his side, listen carefully, he said, I will not believe. Eight days later, Jesus comes again. He comes again to the upper room. This time, Thomas is there. And Jesus says to him, 
Thomas, reach your finger here. Look at my hands and reach your hands here. Put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believe. Don't be faithless, be faithful. And at that, Thomas said, My Lord and my God. To which Jesus responded, Thomas, because you have seen me, you've believed. Blessed, say blessed. Blessed are those who have not seen and have yet believed. Now why in the world did Thomas not believe at first? The reason he didn't believe at first is because Jesus showed up for church eight days before and Thomas wasn't there. And his faith was weak. And he was discouraged. And he even articulated, if I don't see it, I ain't believing it. Great church leader named Albert Schweitzer once stated, I don't know what your destiny will be, but one thing I know is this. The only ones among you who will be really happy, really blessed, are those who are growing in their faith and learning how to serve. So if you've questioned your happiness lately, if you've questioned the strength of your faith lately, maybe it's because you're not coming to a place here or going to the place there where you can be re-energized, reinvigorated, re-strengthened, and re-encouraged. Now what did Albert mean? When he said, the only ones among you who will be really happy are those who are growing in their faith and they're learning how to serve. What he's saying is, is that A, our faith is strengthened. B, our happiness is found. Here it comes. You ready? Say amen if you're ready. Amen. Your faith is strengthened and your happiness is found in serving, strengthening, and encouraging other people. Your faith gets strengthened. Your happiness is found when you're doing for others. I read this morning that God never gives us anything to keep for ourselves. I never thought about it like that. He don't give me no money to keep for myself. No, the IRS gets all that, right? He doesn't give me any insights to keep for myself. He doesn't give me any truth to keep for myself. He don't even give me children to keep for myself. He gives us those things so that we will share it. 
Nothing you've been given is just for you. For even the Son of God, who deserved everything, did not come to be served, but to serve. So are you strengthening anyone in the faith? You ain't got to go far to find somebody who needs it. Are you giving out any encouragement? It don't find, it take very long to find somebody that's discouraged, does it? We are destined to live a life of faith. And listen to this. Most of the time, it means helping others. And most of the time, we need help from others in order to live this life of faith. But not only are we destined to share the gospel, all, not, we're not only destined to live this life of faith, we're also destined to experience trials. Look in verse 2. And our favor, fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ to establish you and encourage you concerning your faith, that no one should be shaken by these afflictions, knowing that we were appointed to this, and that we would suffer tribulation in verse 4, just as it happened and you know. And for this reason, when we could no longer endure it, I sent to know your faith, lest by some means the tempter had tempted you, and our labor had been in vain. Did you hear those phrases? Get this, y'all. Appointed for affliction. What did he say about tribulation? That we would suffer tribulation. That we are destined for trials. About a decade ago, I shared with you a story about an oyster. And it kind of goes like this. There once was an oyster whose story I tell who found that sand had gotten under his shell. Just one little grain gave him so much pain, for oysters have feelings, although they're so plain. Now did he curse the working of fate, which had led him to such a deplorable state? No. As he laid on the shelf, he said to himself, if I cannot remove it, I'll try to improve it. And so the years rolled by, as years always do, and he came to his ultimate destiny, stew. And this small grain of sand, which had bothered him so, became a beautiful pearl, all richly aglow. Now this tale has a moral, for isn't it grand what an oyster can do with a morsel of sand what couldn't we do if we'd only begin with all the things that get under our skin? We are destined for trials. Kind of sounds like the old lemonade story, don't it? When life hands you a lemon, what do you do with it? Do you make lemonade? 
Some people allow hardships and trials and tribulations to get them down and keep them down. Others look to the Lord and they try to overcome it by his grace and with his help. But friends, listen, when life goes wrong, and it will, did you hear me? When life goes wrong, and it will, the Lord is the only one who can make things right. He's in the habit of making lemonade out of lemons. But get this. Sometimes we are the lemons. And so God is trying to make something sweet out of something so sour. But you see, as God's children, yeah, we're destined. Destined for trials. Destined to experience tribulation. But listen, these trials are not intended to harm you. They're not intended to hurt you. They're not intended to hamper you. They're not intended to hinder you. They're intended to help you become more like Jesus. Perspective matters, doesn't it? Peter had the right perspective. In 1 Peter chapter 4, he said, Beloved, don't be surprised. Don't be surprised at the painful trial you're suffering as though something strange was happening. But rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you will be overjoyed when his glory is revealed in you. Trials are a part of every life. They are also a part of every Christian's life. Yes, we are destined to experience trials. When King Louis XIV was dethroned in France, the first thing that happened was his son got kidnapped. And they took that boy and they tried to ruin him. They tried to keep him from taking his rightful place on the throne of France. They exposed him to vulgar language, excessive alcohol, loose women, anything to feed his passions and to keep him from fulfilling his destiny. But even after six months, the boy refused, he refused, he refused. Finally, his kidnapper, kidnapper said, why haven't you given in to any of your passions? Why haven't you indulged yourself into any of these worldly things? And the boy said, I cannot indulge in these things because I was born to be king. Brothers and sisters, we are born again to be God's children. Princes and princesses of God Almighty. We are born again to be children of the King. And he chose us to live a higher, nobler, and holier life. That's the kind of life that really honors him. And can I tell you that that's part of our destiny? But listen very carefully and I'll close. 
You cannot embrace your destiny. You cannot embrace your destiny if you don't let go of your history. Are you hearing me, church? You cannot embrace your destiny unless you let go of your history. That has a twofold meaning. First of all, some Christians allow the sins of their past to keep them in bondage, to keep them under that yoke of oppression, and they can't move forward. They can't embrace their destiny because they hadn't let go of their history. There's a second meaning. And there are those that cannot embrace their destiny. Why? Because they're still living in the sins of the past today. They haven't let go of those sins of the past. Therefore, they cannot embrace their destiny because they haven't let go of their history. Have you embraced your destiny as a child of God? Brothers and sisters, we are born again to be children of the King. And God's word reminds us that we were all once sons of disobedience. We all once were trying to fulfill our own desires and go our own way. And we were all by nature children of the wrath of God. But God, hallelujah for those words, but God who is rich in mercy, even when you were dead as a doornail in your sin, made us alive in Jesus Christ. For by grace, you are saved. Friends, if you have not embraced your destiny as a child of God, I want to invite you to do that today. Have you embraced your destiny? Let me pray for you. Father in heaven, we praise you and thank you that you give us a purpose, that you give us a destiny, O oh Lord. And I pray that you would help us, God, by the power of the Holy Spirit to embrace the destiny you've given us by helping us to let go of the history of the past. Lord, I thank you for those who are still making decisions for the Lord Jesus. And Lord, I pray that during this decision time, if there's someone who has neglected their destiny, they are turning away from their destiny, they are just turning their back on the destiny you have for them, Father, they'd turn back around and they'd repent and they would come to you. And Father, they'd be willing to share the good news of Jesus. They'd be willing to live a life of faith and they'd be willing to realize that yes, we're destined to experience trials. But with your power and the power of the Holy Spirit, all of that can be overcome and you'll be glorified through the life you live through us. And we give you praise in advance for the decisions that are coming this morning. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said. Amen. Amen. Let's all stand. Let's sing. <clears throat>